MSC, MCS case at the FMC. (laughs) It's a lot of alphabet soup, huh? Okay, so the furniture company MCS filed a lawsuit against MSC and Costco. Costco settled right away with MCS, but MSC came out swinging. So MSC had a default judgment entered against them, meaning the shipper won. But is that a good sign of things to come for shippers filing suit? Not necessarily. Let's break it down. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor. That's me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there's no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of the day, let's go through my top three stories of the week. (laughs) Story number one, we're keeping it on. There's still no language on the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space from the FMC yet. So again, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, OSRA 2022, was passed June 16th this year, 2022, and had a very long list of to-dos for the FMC. There were three rulemakings in there. There was an unreasonable refusal to deal with respect to vessel space accommodations. There was detention and demerge prohibitive practices and billing um, billing practices. And then there's the unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods rulemaking. So it's the first one, this unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations that was due to be concluded six months from the signing of OSRA. Six months was December 16th. <laughs> so we're still waiting. When I see the language, I'll let you know. I'm, I'm keeping a keen eye on it. Uh, the detention to merge prohibitive practices, that's obviously still under consideration. Uh, we just closed up the comments on that. Those comments were due December 13th. Um, almost 200 comments, 183, I believe they received. Um, so they're still going through that. That's going to take a while. Um, like, like you've seen, I've been going through those comments myself. I'll be, I've been posting them on uh, LinkedIn when, when, I find some kind of interesting ones. Um, They're pretty much all interesting, but like ones that I like to highlight. Um, And then the unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods, we don't have any language yet. Um, That one we're still waiting on. So there's no necessarily, so it was, they had to require, they were required to start that within 60 days of the the signing of OSRA. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that they needed to submit or or publish any language there. So we're still waiting. There's no real timeline on when the language had to come out for that. But both D&D and the unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods, both those rulemakings are required to be finished up one year post-OSRA. So that means June 16th. So really, I mean, you know what? So we're six months past OSRA, which means we have just under six months, maybe five months at this point, uh, for them to finish up the D&D and for them to publish and have comments uh, and go through that whole process for the unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods, um, because those are both required to be finished June 16th, 2023. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to keep watching it, right? That's that's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. Story number two. Look, there's talk of an Osra 2.0 out there. Um, 
I've had some comments on on Azra. 22, Ezra, the first one, the Ezra that went through that we just talked about, um, where I kind of felt like they they missed some major things uh, when they were designing it. Um, so if there is an Ezra 2.0, um, there's one major thing that I think that they need to include. Uh, one major piece missing from Ezra original uh, was the ability of FMC to approve or more importantly, deny alliance formations. So currently, the FMC can't deny alliance applications. We've talked about this before, and by land and by sea, go check out my uh, Ocean Carrier Alliances um, episode where we kind of dive into what happens when when, car- when alliances applications are are submitted. For the FMC to stop an alliance from forming, so to deny it, they have to file an injunction in court to stop it and prove that it needs to be stopped. So that's a pretty big hill for something so important. So even if the alliance, even if the alliance application submitted basically said, look, we're 80% market share, uh, you know, these, these, what if five companies came together and they were like, we, we, we cover 80% market share. I mean, that's, too much. For the most part, I think FMC likes to stay around the 20, 30 percent market share um, to, to kind of allow these to go through without saying that they're unreasonable, uh, monopolistic behavior in the market. Uh, the FMC can't outright deny if somebody submits for an 80 percent market share. Um, you know, like I said, they had to file suit. They would have to file an injunction in court to stop it. Azra, when it was kind of being talked about when when Congress was like, we're going to do something. And and the the president said he was going to pop them in the nose, all the all the cartels, all the ocean carriers. Look, Osra was supposed to stop some of these alliances from gaining too much power, control, whatever, um, or the cartels, as was kind of inappropriately, disparagingly used. But I mean, not inaccurate, but not I mean, they're not really cartels in like the big bad version Um there were a lot of good things that came from the alliances, I guess is my point. But look, Azra missed a huge opportunity to do anything related to alliances when they put out Azra um, and their potential for too much market share. They, yeah, they went after detention to merge. Yes, that was a big issue. I think Azra did a lot of good things there, cleaning up the invoicing, but they didn't actually touch the low hanging fruit of affecting the FMC's ability to regulate alliances and their formation. Uh, Commissioner Benzel and Commissioner Vekich highlighted that a little bit. Um, in December, they both sent some letters um, over to congressional committees basically saying the same thing. Um, so Vekich said, Congress provided the commission with important additional authorities in the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, but there's more that can be done to assist U.S. shippers. Commissioner Benzel and I, this is comments from Vekich, uh, Commissioner Benzel and I strongly believe that modifying the process by which the commission reviews agreements under 46 U.S.C. Section 41307B, so that's the the review, uh, review for alliances, would substantially strengthen the commission's oversight of potentially anti-competitive agreements. Such Modifications would com- complement the extensive monitoring process application applicable, excuse me, uh, monitoring process applicable to the major shipping alliance agreements. So they're saying they have extensive monitoring process, but like what about the denying or what about the disapproving? Commissioner Benzel continues, we believe the commission should have the authority to disapprove agreements between or among ocean common carriers and marine terminal operators. Experience has shown that this process is cumbersome and time-consuming and would even argue that it is designed to impede the commission's oversight of agreements. I I tend to agree, right? I mean, so if you need to go file, so the FMC receives the application and they have, I believe it's 45 days to review it. They can stop the clock. They can ask questions. 
But that's about all they can do before they would have to, within those 45 days, pull together all of their information and, and file suit for an injunction to stop this. Um, but, I mean, that was OSRA 98 was, was all about kind of deregulating the industry, making it easier for private business. But now we're at a point where it seems like maybe the FMC might need this tool. They would have to have reason. They can't just disapprove or deny for any reason, obviously. Um, and that would be maybe something that OSRA could figure out. Um, but they don't have that ability to deny. I, I don't know. There was just a lot of rhetoric about cartels and all these things. And then OSRA didn't even include it. And now if there is an OSRA 2.0, seems like that's a low-hanging fruit. All right. Story number three. Keeping with the carriers. Um, So Lars Jensen wrote an interesting opinion piece last week in the JOC. Um, He was talking a lot about kind of what was going on with ocean carriers. And um, the the article itself was called Don't Confuse Ocean Market Collapse with Carrier Weakness. I mean, that's that's a pretty strong statement. And I think he's right. Um, So in it, he says, it, it talks all about, like, people saying, oh, the carriers should have learned their lessons. So he says, but if the carriers had learned their lessons, shouldn't they have been pulling capacity out? In actuality, they have, with November and December seeing material capacity contractions, due to the very sharp demand decline, this is not quite sufficient. And this brings back to the terms of what lessons the carriers were supposed to have learned. And he basically goes on to continue to basically say that carriers are in a these are market share cycles, right? So the, the, it takes a few years, uh, maybe more than a few years, to get new ships out in the industry. And when you're when you're working in years of of capacity building, it's not so reactive to the market. And so I've talked about this a lot before that I see it as a pendulum, right? So we we saw the pendulum swing over into the favor of the carriers for a while. Now we're seeing it shift over into the shipper side uh, with the rates dropping out. But it, it's not going to stay there, right? This is all still kind of the the chaos of of what was all of the COVID and the demand and and the the um, shutting down of ports and all of that stuff. This is still balancing out, and so the pendulum's going to swing back over to the carrier's favor for a little while. Um, you know, I mean, so people say what what lessons should have been learned. Uh, one of the things that Lars talks about is, you know, maybe people are saying they should have learned and and put shouldn't have put out so much capacity. But he argues, look, if they had pulled more vessel uh, transits, if they had more blankings, then then it would have been really apparent or or certainly it would have been um, a, a stronger argument saying that the carriers were artificially manipulating the market. Um, certainly that's something that people have been saying anyways. You got to feel for him a little bit, right? Because so, okay, so maybe there was some bad acting that was happening, and that's being all cleaned up in the FMC world. Um, you know, with the with the um, with the suits being filed against certain carriers by shippers and all that. So we're we're working out kind of the bad stuff that was happening. But look, carriers probably were more surprised about making billions of dollars than anybody else out there because I've talked about this a lot before, but they used to basically not make profits. In some years, they would take a loss. Um, alliances were formed because we needed um, better services. It was it was kind of an idea of, well, if, if the airline alliance kind of example, if, if you could be moving your goods from the 
warehouse or the port that, that you need it to leave um, into the port that you needed to come into in the United States, you had more options because these carriers were, were kind of forming together. These were vessel sharing agreements. And so you had more options as a shipper on what your routes would be. And so maybe it might be faster or whatever it is, whatever you needed, you had options there. Um, you know, alliances have been a, a good thing for the most part. Like I said, the past couple of years have been kind of a strange thing. Um, it's getting sorted out. And we're going to talk about that today as, as our meat and potatoes. But um, I think that Lars is right. Don't confuse our ocean market collapse with carrier weakness. Um, don't let your guard down. If you're a shipper, sure, things are moving in your direction right now, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be, get, be getting great rates necessarily. We're still seeing service contracts being renegotiated. And I, I'm interested to see, certainly after TPM, what service contracts and kind of the world of the relationship between the shipper and the carrier will be because there's a lot of scorn from that the shippers have felt over the past few years. Um, you know, these are long-term relationships. This is something that we all need to stick together with. Um, so let's keep that in mind. It's going to pendulum swing again. It's going to keep moving before we kind of settle into our new normal. Um, but that's, I, I think, follow Lars. He's, he's got some great insights out there. All right. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. So what is going on? We're talking alphabet soup, MCS, MSC, Costco. Okay. We've covered this case before. So go back and look at the May 27th, 2022 by Land and by Sea episode, Carriers and Contracts is essentially what we were talking about. Okay, so here's the review of the case and the situation surrounding it. We're going to be doing kind of a little brief update of it. But if you want more kind of introductory information, go check out that May 27th episode. So MCS Industries is a global home decor manufacturing company headquartered in Pennsylvania. They initially sent a letter to the FMC July 14th, 2021. Just a letter stating that they and, and unnamed others were having problems with the ocean carriers. So this is summer of 2021. So a year and a half ago. They cited the collective 80% market share of the three alliances held and stated that negotiated contracts were falling by the wayside. Okay, the, take you back to, to the spring of 2021, summer of 2021. We were in historically high rates. Uh, this is when shippers who had service contracts with pre-negotiated kind of relatively reasonable rates were getting pushed into the spot market so that the carriers could enjoy, was the argument, enjoy the significantly higher spot market rates. Um, there were also problems with carriers allegedly not honoring their minimum quantity guarantees, um, specifically reserving, a spe which is where they specifically reserve kind of specific minimum quantities for the shipper as part of the agreement. Okay, so in the letter, MCS requested that the FMC take action on three different things. Remember, this was just a letter. This was July 14th, kind of pre-filing of a lawsuit. So they said all shipping contracts negotiated between U.S. shippers and foreign steamship line, ocean carriers, must be honored according to their terms. Otherwise, the lines, ocean carriers, must supply the containers they agreed to supply or pay reparations and potentially other adverse actions by the FMC. So they're kind of putting the FMC on notice. There's some crap going on. We want to show you. We want to let you know that it's happening. They also said the dislocation of shipping containers internationally, specifically saying too many empties in the U.S. and not enough in Asia, overly congesting the U.S. ports. MCS said the commission should intercede to ensure that corrective actions are implemented and enforced. At the time, I think the FMC was starting to really kind of make some movements, take notice of all these empties. It was certainly before Commissioner Maffei or Chairman Maffei um, made his big statement saying, look, you, you got to keep moving these empties. We're, the You know, you shouldn't be, not only should you not be charged detention uh, if if you can't return them, but maybe you should be compensated. Remember that was uh, with the Bi-State Motor Carriers Association up in New Jersey. 
Um, so this was all kind of pre that. But this was starting to kind of build the conversation moving this way. Um, and in the letter, MCS said the third thing, there are serious coordination issues in the operation of the U.S. ports. Truckers performing drage service, delivering full containers to shippers and receivers must be able to schedule normal appointments to avoid current untenable delays. So saying appointments were a problem. Steamship lines currently levy penalties on the U.S. shippers for the delay, which are beyond their control. In addition, truckers have been unable to secure appointments to return these were all issues, right? Just taking you kind of back to like what was happening, the lay of the land, July 2021. So it looks like around that same time, MCS was soliciting the industry for others who were experiencing the same alleged inequities. So then, unsurprisingly, two weeks later, MCS filed a complaint at the FMC against Costco Shipping Lines and MSC, Mediterranean Shipping Company. So what was MCS alleging? What were they upset about? MCS asserted... Claims of unjustly and unreasonably exploiting customers, uh, vastly increasing their profitability at the expense of shippers in the U.S. public generally, blank sailings being used to create artificial scarcity and boosting prices on the spot market, unreasonably refused to deal and negotiate. They were claiming collusion, saying that the respondents, MCS and Costco, have changed their practices in parallel and seemingly coordinated fashion, depriving MCS of its contractually agreed spot space allotment. Also called into question alliances and their resultant collusion. Um, look, we, we talked about this kind of at the at the outset today. Um, FMC can't approve these alliances, right? So that's they said that you know FMC approved these. Um, so look, let's get back to the case here. So the case was noteworthy because this was really one of the first cases brought that was not just a breach of contract claim, but also a Shipping Act violation. So it was a novel argument on refusal to deal. So look, even though you're promised in your contract to carry X number of TEUs, you did not make that space available to us under the terms that we agreed is what they're saying. So instead of this being a breach of contract, they're saying this was a Shipping Act violation. So jurisprudence and case law on refusal to deal is pretty light at the FMC, or it certainly was. Um, you know, refusal to deal... what brought as a as a um as a matter of of kind of contention here. So there's been a flurry of similar cases filed since this. And certainly there's been a, a lot of cases filed since Osra came into effect. And as we now know, there there's that uh rulemaking that we're still waiting on the language for uh that talks about unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. So those were kind of the Shipping Act violations that the MCS was asserting, but in specific mention to the Shipping Act, they went through and said, so it was 46 U.S.C. 41104, so common carriers, and generally speaking, the statute, they're saying um, under subsection A3, um, a carrier may not retaliate against a shipper by refusing or threatening to refuse cargo-based accommodations when available or resort to other unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods because the shipper has patronized another carrier or has filed a complaint, or for any other reason. So even though we have that rulemaking of unreasonable refusal to deal, this is in the Shipping Act right now as it is. Retaliate against a shipper by refusing or threatening to refuse cargo space accommodations when available, or resort to other unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods because the shipper has patronized another carrier or has filed a complaint, or for any other reason. Chairman Dan Maffei has come out recently and said, look, it's already in the Shipping Act. This will not be tolerated, any sort of unjustly discriminatory or unfair methods. That's kind of in advance of any language coming out from that third rulemaking that we're still waiting on, the unjustly or unfair discriminatory methods. MCS also stated 
that they were not providing liner trade. It's in accordance with the rates, charges, classifications of the service contract. They they talked about unfair and justly discriminatory practices again with matter of rates or charges, undue, unreasonable prejudice, and refusal to deal or negotiate. So those were some of the big things that came out that were specifically citing the Shipping Act. So look, breach of contract, and we're getting very legal, so I hope that you're still following here. <laughs> but breach of contract in general, so basically saying, look, you, you breached your contract here is not something that directly falls under FMC authority. And some cases have been thrown out or or basically said no jurisdiction because that's not what the FMC was created for. The FMC was created, among many other reasons, to directly regulate activity under the Shipping Act. So unless there's a violation that is directly under the Shipping Act, it's not necessarily going to be something that they can entertain, that they can see. So MCS listing ways that this otherwise breach of contract also had shipping violations. Now, that made us in the land of FMC jurisdiction. So as all formal complaints usually do, the back and forth began, right? And so there was a notice of filing a designation to the administrative law judge, uh, which is the kind of, we've talked about this before, but if you file a formal complaint with the FMC, it starts with the administrative law judge's office. And that's where you kind of proceed with most of the case. Um, it's not until the administrative law judge has the initial decision that really then it gets brought or could potentially get brought to the full commission, all the all five commissioners. Um, so really, most of this is going to be done in front of the administrative law judge. Um, so that's who it was in front of. It was uh, Chief Judge uh, Aaron Worth. Um, the initial orders were published and back and forth filings started coming in, answers, motions, extension of time, all that legal procedural stuff, right? I mean, we've kind of always heard about. Um, so then on September 9th, 2021, it's only a few months after this all stored, started, a motion for approval of settlement and preserved confidentiality of settlement was filed between MCS and Costco. Okay, so basically, MCS, the furniture provider, settled with Costco. Okay, so they were gone. So now we only have, <laughs> unfortunately, the alphabet soup of MCS and MSC. So that was basically in September 2021. We continued on as just MCS and MSC. So since that filing, there have been many others that are similar to the nature of the MCS filing. Um, some are more closely related to a breach of contract dispute. Like I said, not really FMC, but they'll, they'll talk about each one. Each case is so fact-intensive. Um, and so that's really the, the thing here. We can't make too many generalizations because the commission is really going to be reviewing all of these very fact specifically to to see you know they they want to help the industry and if people feel wronged and they've brought cases they want to have a fair you know fair shot of it so um look some of the thoughts that i had initially on this case filing look there isn't a general rule from the fmc on the matter yet but we know that it's coming um unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations and certainly the unfair unjustly discriminatory methods um Remember, rates in general are determined by publicly filed tariffs and then these confidentially negotiated rates and service contracts. And the ocean carriers are part of the liner service, meaning there's regularity to the service. And they enjoy antitrust protection under that classification. So here's what I'm saying. Ocean carriers have set schedules and they're supposed to. That's kind of why, you know, they, they fall under liner service is what it's called. It's basically set schedules in ocean shipping. And they enjoy otherwise probably being a monopoly because this is a service. And so the FMC has been tasked with making sure that this otherwise monopoly 
is is still serving the global community with having these goods shipped. shipped. And so we've talked about this before, how shippers have more options for shipment routes is one of the many benefits of alliances, similar to the airline alliances. If you've ever flown with a ticket that says some regional airline but then says DBA, doing business as Delta, that's a code share, and that's basically an airline alliance. Versus Southwest, where you may have to make a few stops before you get to your ultimate destination, because uh, Southwest isn't part of an airline alliance. Same idea, same idea on the ocean side, for the most part. Over, overly simplistic, but same idea. So one thing that I previously cautioned about with this liner service, and sorry, we're kind of on a tangent here, but I think it's important. I started to question whether it was still liner service, or it could potentially be considered tramper service, So, which tramper service does not enjoy this antitrust monopoly immunity. So uh, the question was, are are the carriers becoming so unreliable that they could arguably be seen as a tramp service, tramp service, a non-fixed schedule or published ports of call service? Then they lose that antitrust immunity. So the ocean carriers not only need to be cautious of their ocean carrier contracted obligations, which is what this case really hinges on. But they also need to be aware of the trends that may be happening as they veer away from this predictable fixed service and publish ports of call. And that's kind of what Lars was talking about in that third story of the week, where if they had blanked more sailings, it would have even built the argument further, saying that they were artificially modifying. And and like I said, I mean, at what point does a 10, 15, 20% blanking turn into now tramper service and no longer liner service. Okay, so those are kind of my thoughts. So that was what was going on kind of on the merits of the case, the specifics of the case. So let's talk about what's happening now. Basically, we're having some legal procedure discussion. And look, MCS won, right? I mean, so MSC had a default judgment entered against them, basically saying, This is, and I'm going to try to keep this light, but this case has been decided on legal procedure. So on December 8th, 2021, and and I'm going to say, I'm going to, let's, let's back it up. MSC is the carrier. MCS is the furniture company. MSC had a default judgment entered against them saying, MCS, you won because MSC wasn't doing what we were asking. The court is saying this. MSC was not doing what we were asking. And for so long that we're just going to say, look, they're not playing by the rules anymore. So we're just going to say, look, MCSU won. So let's talk about what actually happened here. But that's kind of the gist of it. So on December 8th, 2021, an order was issued granting MCS's motion to compel discovery. So that's kind of part of that back and forth, right? MCS is like, in order to kind of continue building our, our argument and supporting it, we're going to need a certain number of documents, you know, um, internal numbers, probably. I mean, it's it's part of the normal process. So it was required to be completed by March 2022 of 2022. Um, so that was December. By April, not much had happened in the discovery area. So, so that was December, uh, like just over a year ago. By March, it was supposed to be completed by March. So by April, not much had happened in the discovery area. So another order was made to provide a status report addressing the status of recovery. So that was from the administrative law judge, Judge Worth. She's basically saying, look, March has passed. It's April. What's going on with discovery? Like, are you turning over documents? What's going on? 
So then there was some back and forth, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but with with some Swiss courts and some international laws, basically all talking about discovery and compelling discovery and what MSC was allowed to turn over or not allowed to turn over. Um, Essentially, at one point, they went to the Swiss court. The Swiss court denied the request for discovery. All this to say this outside step was kind of unfruitful, and we're back at the FMC still waiting on discovery from MSC. So after the Swiss stuff had kind of happened, um, Judge Worth said, look, I'm ordering all outstanding discovery by August 28th, 29th, 2022. So that was August, like what, a couple months ago. August 26th, three days before all outstanding discovery was due, MSC filed a request for extension with some more Swiss court information mixed in, basically saying, look, we're still, we're, we're going to be appealing some of this Swiss court stuff. It all had to do with the discovery. They were kind of saying that we can't produce this stuff. So September 8th, a couple days after, Judge Worth denied the extension of time and MSC was ordered to show cause why a default decision should not be issued against it for failure to pr- pr- uh, produce discovery. Basically saying, look, I'm going to rule against you unless you can give me a good reason not to. That's what the court was saying to MSC. They're saying this is kind of a last chance moment for MSC to comply with what Judge Worth is trying to accomplish in the fair administration of justice in her role as an ALJ. She's just trying to get, like, procedurally things moving forward in the correct way. So we had said this all kind of started December of 2021. It flowed through. It was supposed to be done by March, April. She's asking for a status report. Now we're into August and they're saying we need more time because we're working with the Swiss court. She's saying, no, no more time. Look, at this point, you need to listen to me like you are in this. This case is in front of me. You need to listen to me. We, we got to keep moving here. So MSC filed a response to the notice to show cause. MCS also responded and then MSC responded again. There was more talk of Swiss law and Hague evidence conventions. Essentially, MSC was contending that international law and Swiss law is still relevant here. But after denials from those courts, MSC said that they wanted to amend and refile. MCS is saying that MSC's activities are showing a blatant disregard for the presiding officer's order. I mean, at at some point, it kind of becomes, okay, well, the court you're in front of is here in the U.S. This is an FMC court. Even though MSC is, is, you know, at least I think it's a partially Swiss company or maybe entirely Swiss company. Um, you know, it's like you're still in the you're still in the U.S. here. You're still in front of the FMC right away. So look, I get that MSC seems to think that they may have a legal angle by pulling in the international Swiss laws. That's kind of what was happening. But it looks like, at least from a cursory view from the FMC document, that that angle wasn't working. And now Judge Worth, in kind of current day, is basically saying that look, this is amounting to a delay in proceeding, or that it will move that way to continue to allow these external filings. She's basically kind of saying, look, at at some point, we got to stop it. Like, you're saying that you want to keep going to the Swiss court. It's not really giving you the information or or the rulings that you want. I'm going to have to call it. So at one point in the initial decision on default, which is what we had, which is the initial decision on default, is where Judge Worth basically said, I'm saying MCS wins because of, and here's, here's some of the stuff she talked about. So what she, one of the things she said was, in multiple filings, MSC, Mediterranean Shipping, has indicated that it will not produce the discovery that it has been repeatedly ordered to produce. Okay, she's saying, look, they're not turning over these documents. I keep asking them. Complainant asserts, so complainant uh, is MCS, asserts that respondent cannot accept the benefits of shipping cargo to and from U.S. ports while shirking its legal and regulatory obligations before the commission. 
and that it would request a decision on default. Basically, they're saying, look, you service U.S. ports and U.S. US cargo interests. That makes you beholden to the U.S. legal system and specifically in the U.S. Shipping Act, which is the FMC. So Judge Worth, later on in this um, initial decision on default, says here the dispute is not about a specific piece of evidence in Switzerland, but rather the order to compel identified over a dozen different categories of information that needed to be disclosed. As has been previously found, complainant is entitled to the discovery, which is relevant to the claims it raised and necessary to establish the elements of the alleged Shipping Act violations. So she's saying, look, you may say that you can't turn something over because of Swiss law. She's saying, look, I'm, uh, that's fine, but you got way other, we got way more stuff that you need to turn over here. And it's not just about that, a few things that you're saying you can't turn over. You have not been responding to all the other things that we've been asking for. It says MC, MSC Mediterranean Shipping cannot limit its discovery to what it believes are the core issues in this proceeding, nor can it require MCS Industries to produce evidence that claims are valid before producing discovery. Throughout this proceeding, MSC, Mediterranean Shipping, has attempted to limit the scope of the claims and discovery to preclude review of its practices. However, it is in part these very practices the commission needs to review to determine whether the Shipping Act violation. Moreover, if MSC, Mediterranean Shipping, objected to the rulings in the order granting motion to compel, it could have sought the appeal to order at that time. Its attempt to relitigate the relevance of the discovery order is not timely and not persuasive. So she's saying, look... You're kind of doing it in different order. If you didn't like the discovery, if you didn't like having to turn these documents over, maybe you should have raised that right away. And now she's kind of going on to say, look, it's kind of turning into like you're delaying it. You're just frankly delaying it. So she continues, MSC, Mediterranean Shipping's failure to provide discovery, even after the Swiss court ruled on the letter of request, significantly delayed this proceeding. She's saying, look, you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to let you do it, or she's not necessarily saying that. We let you do it, and, and they ruled on it, and now you're just continuing to delay the proceeding. This delay, she continues, this delay further prejudices MCS's industries, which has requested sanctions on a number of occasions. Continued on, over time, witness memories may recede, and it may be more difficult to retain relevant evidence. Continues on, it is therefore reasonable to find that the delays due to respondents' Intrasegence exacerbates complainant's injury, thus the delay further prejudices MCS industry and is an additional basis to find that default is the appropriate sanction. She's saying, MSC, you don't get to call the shots here. I do, and you've already wasted a lot of our time. That's essentially, I mean, the paraphrase. That's what Judge Worth is saying. And at some point, she's saying, I need to pull the plug, and that point is now. So she continues on. There have been multiple deadlines set in this proceeding, which have not been met due to MSC Mediterranean Shipping's failure to provide discovery. The failure to meet these deadlines has disrupted the orderly conduct of agency business and burdened the commission's docket, requiring multiple revisions of the schedule to accommodate the delays. The delays caused by the failure to produce discovery have prejudiced MCS industry, the commission, and the shipping public. She's saying these delays are not only prejudicing MCS because they continue to have these problems. She's saying now you're going, now you're kind of messing with the commission and you're messing with the shipping public. She continues, despite multiple clear warnings that failure to produce discovery could lead to a default judgment. So she's saying, I gave you a lot of warning that I might rule against you. 
She says, MSC Mediterranean Shipping has continued to assert that it will not produce the discovery ordered. Accordingly, default is appropriate. She continues, MSC Mediterranean Shipping argues that it has not acted in bad faith. There's no willful misconduct and that continues to work in good faith to try to resolve the impasse created by the Geneva court ruling. MSC Mediterranean Shipping, this is Judge Worth continuing, has not provided a narrow list of documents or witnesses located in Switzerland that it claims are protected. Rather, it asserts that it has provided substantial discovery on the core issues of the case and it has made substantial document productions. Only a subset remain outstanding. So she's saying, look, you're not even telling me the stuff that you can't provide. You haven't been very clear and precise in what you can and can't provide. You're just kind of saying, look, we're stuck here and we can't tell you what we're stuck on. So she's saying, she continues, it's not clear whether the refusal to provide discovery is in fact because information is located in Switzerland or whether MSC is refusing to provide the discovery because it disagrees with the findings related to the commission's jurisdiction and scope of these proceedings. You can tell Judge Worth is starting to kind of get sick of this back and forth. <laughs> so she's really kind of diving in and saying, look, we're, we're starting to, to, this is too much here. Um, she continues. I'm, I'm just going to continue reading this because it's it's so interesting. I'll break it down as it gets, you know, as it gets really wordy. But given that MSC has voluntarily chosen to conduct business in the United States ports and is regulated by the FMC, it must abide by commission orders. She's saying, look, you don't have to do business with the U.S., but if you do, these are the rules. You have to comply with these rules. And where appropriate, the undersigned, Judge Worth, is willing to comply with relevant Hague Convention requirements. However, parties are expected to follow the rulings issued in response to those requests, and regulated entities cannot be allowed to hide evidence overseas. MSC's repeated failure to comply with multiple orders issued in this proceeding, even though it had an opportunity to seek review of the orders and failed to do so, and its failure to abide by the determination of the Swiss court, even though the parties requested a ruling from that court, undermines its position that it acted in good faith. So she's saying, look, it feels like you're hiding behind this foreign court. You're not being very clear on what's going on. She finally says this type of conduct cannot be committed, per- permitted in commission adjudications. And here's where it gets, can, it just really continues to get interesting. And maybe I'm legally nerding out on this, but I think this is pretty interesting. This is really setting an interesting stage. Um, there's a lot of cases that have MSC and all, all the different carriers, um, but there's cases that have the, the, the different carriers and certainly MSC. Um, so I think that it's, it's interesting and important here. And I think that there's a lot that we, there's a lot to still learn here on what's going on. And, and I, I want to be fair about the Swiss thing. I, I have not done it justice. And, and I see that Bud is uh, commenting here. I, there's more to, to the story here. Um, but basically what, what I, what I found interesting um, was, was what Judge Worth is saying here. So she says, moreover, the violations alleged in this amended complaint are of national significance. For example, that one of the largest carrier lines, container lines in the world sought to take advantage of unprecedented high pricing by forcing shippers with service contracts like complainant to report to spot market purchases by the practice of systematically failing to meet its quantity commitments to complain it between certain ports. Resolutions of these allegations would provide clarity and guidance to the marketplace and benefit not just these parties, but also the shipping public. There's a lot going on here. There, there's a lot going on here. What I kind of see is that it feels like Judge Worth is saying, we just need clarity. I keep continuing asking for clarity. I'm not getting a lot of clarity. And so in order to kind of stop the, 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 the confusion, I'm going to need to, to issue this uh, default judgment. So then she does. She issues a default judgment. And so she issues, she, she says she's awarding a total of 944655 in reparations 
to MCS, um, saying the interest shall be computed from the last day for which reparations are sought, which was July 31st, 2021. They were seeking uh, reparations. It was a 480000 for 2021, uh, 2020 to 2021 shipping year, um, and then 463000 for the first three months of 2021 to 2022. So that's where you get that 944000 um, she also says so. There, MCS was also asking for about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in attorneys' fees. Um, she points to the FMC Commission rule that basically says Rule Two Fifty Four that basically says only after the judgment is final can you actually ask for those attorneys' fees. So she denies it at this time, basically saying, you know, bring it up later. So of course, MSC is unhappy with this decision and is actually quoted as saying the decision is not a decision on the merits and it's not final. Which is true. That's true. It's not final necessarily. Um, it wasn't decided on the merits. There's 30 days for the FMC to pull it if they want to. Um, you know, that it's sua sponte review. The FMC is certainly able to do that. Um, is this a win for shippers? Not exactly. It's it's obviously still very contentious, uh, very, very it's still moving. Um, MSC is is saying that they're going to be appealing this decision. Um, MSC is correct in saying that the decision was not decided on the merits, so it doesn't really tell you much about what was actually happening. It just kind of, to me, shows that Judge Worth was starting to say, look, there's confusion here. It's it's taking too long. Um, it, it all kind of got wrapped up into procedure. And and Judge Worth, with legal support, was, was tired of waiting for MSC to turn over these documents. And MSC said they weren't allowed to do so under international and Swiss law. This isn't done. This may be touted in trade press as a big win for shippers. I've already seen a few headlines that kind of allege that. Um, this It's not. I, I would certainly not consider this to be a win for a ship or a loss for a carrier by any means. Don't let this distract you. Um, don't let you don't don't feel like this is emboldening shippers, because like I said, this isn't the FMC coming down on carriers. That's not what's happening here. This is very legally procedural. Um it may happen. It may happen that the FMC comes down and says, look, shippers, you're right. Carriers are wrong. Um, and all of these are going to be very fact specific, very situationally specific. Um, but we're not there yet. That's not what this case is so far. Uh, there's a lot of case law to go before we get more clarity on where the FMC thinks that the shipper arguments and, and carrier arguments lie. Um, it's still a risk. And there just isn't a lot of case law on the problems that we saw over the, the past three-ish years. Um the you know okay so one thing i do want to mention so bud did mention it's a it's a criminal sanction for violating the swiss blocking statute that is something that i kind of breezed over to and again i i want to say this was an oversimplification of some of the international um and and swiss law that was happening here so um I, but i wanted to kind of break it down for everybody i wanted everyone to kind of my biggest point was i wanted to make sure that people understood this is not a slam dunk win for the shippers Yet, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be, um, but that's not where we are. This is legal procedure. Um, it still could be reviewed by the full commission under what's called sua sponte review. So within 30 days of the initial decision being issued, so January 13th is when it came out, uh, we'll see this is still a very moving target. There's a lot going on in the ocean shipping community, and I'm glad to be here to monitor it, to digest it, to respond to it all. Keep the conversation going. Please continue to comment. I'd love to hear more thoughts on this. Um, certainly if you have thoughts on this case specifically, um, if you have thoughts on other cases that are kind of moving, um, put them in the chat. Let's let's have a conversation here. Um, I'm going to continue to sprinkle the other cases as I see them in our future by land and by sea shows. Let's keep these conversations going. I'm. It's, we're going to start to see as these cases start to play out, the movement and the ship 
and the kind of shifting of of the new world of of the shippers and the carriers and how they interact and and how they move um, forward together. Like I said, I I can't say it enough. We're all in this together. There's only so many carriers. There's only I mean, there's a lot of shippers. Um, but this is the long term, and and really, we're we're supposed to kind of work together here. We're supposed to. We're supposed to keep these movement, these goods moving. Uh, that's what the FMC is here for, for the fair, efficient movement of goods. That's what they'll continue to work for. Um, the rulemakings are one side of it, but the case law is where we're going to start finding some of that fine tuning, fine points, um, really specific m- movement, and it's going to be very fact intensive. So. As always, the guidance here is general for educational purposes, especially on days that we dive into legal cases. Um, I I overgeneralized, I oversimplified, but I wanted to make you aware of this. Um, Any of this advice or any of this discussion should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning, the general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Landon by Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Landon by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. While you're at it, check out themaritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, The Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Landon by Sea. See you next time.